Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Hey, good morning, KLM. Greetings in the matchless name of Jesus. I bring you greetings all the way from Perth Amboy, New Jersey. I'm here live from the church. We're going to dive right into this word. I've been praying for you this week. I've been trusting God for you and with you. Um, <clears throat> thank God all is well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. Pray none of me but all of you. I pray that you'll grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel. I thank you, Father for granting unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. I thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who's here. He's dwell, he dwells on the inside of us. Just lift up your hands. Let's just thank God for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father God, we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. You didn't trust us to just angels, but you gave us your spirit. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he comes and he teaches us, he guides us, he leads us, he directs us. He enforces the victory that Jesus got gained and obtained for us. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit for he is more real to us than than the world is to us. I thank you, Father, for we see with the eyes of the Spirit, the workings of the Spirit inside of us. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to die in our place. Thank you for the atoning blood of Jesus that washes away our sins and presents us before you as sinless, as saints, as justified before your sight. And thank you for the Spirit of God who dwells on the inside of us. He is bigger than the world. He's bigger than the devil. He's bigger than any problem or situation that we may face. And we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. God is so good. He's awesome. He's mighty. And I want to challenge you to depend on the Holy Spirit like never before. I want you to begin to thank God for the Holy Spirit. Become more aware of the Holy Spirit than you are of the things around you. He is real. Can you hear me? He's real. He's real. He's ready to go to work for you and in you, and we must look to him. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is someone. As he's not a thing. He's a person. He is someone who is on our side. He's on your side, and he's, he's been sent to make sure that you get victory in your life today. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you into, into, away from sickness into health, away from debt into prosperity, away from drama into peace. The Holy Spirit has been sent to give us everything that the Father has given us in Christ, everything that Jesus wrought in his life and death and resurrection. The Holy Spirit will give us that and help us to walk in that freedom. The freedom that Jesus died to give us, the Holy Spirit enforces that freedom. 
and empowers us to receive that freedom. Glory to God. That's, that's, that's enough to rejoice for all your time on the earth. You're not alone. I don't care how you feel today. I don't care how, you, how, how your emotions are, wherever your emotions are. The Spirit of God is, is there to help you, to, to, to stabilize you, to give you emotional intelligence. Yes, the Holy Spirit, he, can, he will help you to control your anger, to control your emotions. Don't be led by your emotions, but be led by your faith. Be led by your spirit. Be led by the word of God. Don't be led by your mind. Be led by your new mind. Your mind, the mind of Christ. I'm telling you, I'm speaking to someone now. Don't be led by your emotions. Your emotions are flaky. You cannot depend on your emotions. Thank God for your emotions. They have been sent, given to us by God to express ourselves, to you know, help us to grieve when we need to grieve, to help us to enjoy laughter and so forth. But we're not to live by our emotions. There are too many Christians that are living by their emotions. They're not li living by their faith. They're living by their emotions. So I'm, I'm going to challenge you to live by your faith, not by your feelings. I just kind of got the preach on me a little bit. But I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Make a decision to live by your faith. And the passage that we're about to read out of Ephesians, we're going to deal with that today. Today, um, I was actually preparing this message this week been thinking about a willing heart. You remember we were supposed to talk about developing a willing heart, and we'll deal with that whenever the time is right. So I, I was preparing to, to talk about that this morning, and I was taking the dog out. I have we have we used to have two dogs, but now we have one. Um, one went on to doggy heaven. <laughs> um, so I was taking the dog out and letting her do her thing, and these words came in my heart. These two words. Forgive and live. Forgive and live. So <clears throat> I immediately recognize the leadership of the Spirit. I've been walking with God long enough to recognize his promptings, his suggestions, his thoughts. And immediately I knew that I was supposed to speak about that this morning. Forgive and live. Well, what, what's the opposite of that? Unforgive and die, right? So I, I want to talk to you about forgiveness today. Forgive and live. God wants us to be forgiving people. There are some who are, they, they just have bitterness. I have a friend, um, associate at, at, at my job, and she, if you, if you cross her, any means, it could be a mistake by crossing her, she will hold on to that forever. And she confessed to me that she, she has a problem with forgiving people. Well, one, she doesn't have Jesus in her life. So that, that, that says a lot that, you know, when you receive Christ, you receive the ability to forgive. But um, I want to talk about forgiveness. You know, forgiving and living. Forgive and live. You, you, you and I are called to forgive. And I was thinking about people who have perhaps done some things to me. I was thinking about this this morning, and I was thinking, I was like, hmm, um, you have to let things go. 
and you have to just make the decision to forgive and we'll get into some application. Then I was talking to my wife this morning and she was asking questions about the sermon <laughs> and she was talking about, um, is it, what about forgiving yourself? I'm going to say something that you may or may not agree with. There's no such thing in the Bible as forgiveness, self-forgiveness. A lot of times people have a tendency to, you need to forgive yourself. You know, you go perhaps to counseling, but I'm here to tell you as a Bible scholar in the making, as a, as a thinking Christian, as a spirit-filled Christian, faith-filled Christian, that you, there's nothing that I've read about forgiving oneself. I believe what it is is when people talk about forgiving oneself, um, forgiving yourself is coming away from that burden of, of, of guilt and shame. And instead of forgiving yourself, you need to receive the forgiveness that is in Christ. That, that's, that's a better way and a higher way of dealing with what some would call self-forgiveness. And then my wife went on, she, she asked a question about, what about forgiving God? And you've, you've heard this, and perhaps you've been in this state of you're mad at God. I'm going to tell you, I've been saved since I was four, um, filled with the Holy Spirit since I was six or seven. I've never in my entire life had uh, uh, some type of anger towards God. And I, I'm just blown away by people who say they're mad at God. You, you know, if anything, you need to be mad at yourself or mad at the circumstance, but not at God. God is not your problem. He's your solution. And how dare for us to think that we need to forgive God. He's God. And he'll knock you out of your bed right now. He'll knock you out of that chair or that couch. Yes, he will. He, he, he is God. And, and, and the even thought of us forgiving God <laughs> just makes me mad. So I can imagine how he feels. Um, we don't forgive God. He forgives us. He's the authority and we're not. So don't ever put yourself in a place where you're God's judge. You're not. And you can't command God. He commands you. All right, let me stop. So my wife asked that question about, you know, people saying they're mad at God and, and they're like, you know, hey, God, I'm mad at you. You know, maybe a loved one have died. And, and because I can talk about grief a little bit because I've had grief majority of my life. I've lost um, some very important people. When I say lost, I, they have departed from my life. This in this life, um, significantly, I've, I've you know, there's been a lot of death in my life, and so it it, it doesn't it doesn't do you any good to get mad at the at the Lord, you know, and it, the enemy comes to still kill and destroy it, and so and sometimes people take the the easy route of blaming God. Let me blame God. The reason you're sick, blame God. No, maybe you didn't do what you needed to do, or maybe just the enemy attacking you. Oh, the reason you're struggling financially, right? <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's a one that people struggle with. Oh, they get angry at God. God, why is this happening in my life? 
Well, maybe you're not a good steward. Maybe you're not a tither. Maybe you don't give offerings. Maybe you don't um, spend money wisely. Maybe you need to do some, you know, um, Financial Peace University. <laughs> maybe you need to read some books about finances. So people are quick. Uh, why is my, isn't my marriage working out right? Well, maybe you need to go to some counseling. Maybe you need to do what the Bible has to say. You know, it's, it's not God. God is not your problem. It, it's you. <laughs> and that's a hard pill to swallow. All right. So we're talking about leadership of the spirit in this series. And today I'm talking about forgiveness or forgive and live, forgiving and living. And so we're going to look at a scripture dealing with this. And I'm going to do something I've never done before. So I'm giving Dave a heads up. I'm actually going to take some questions today um, at the end of the service and give you an opportunity to ask questions. I don't know how he's going to get those questions to me, but we'll figure it out. So here we go. Um, forgive and live. Come on, just turn to your neighbor. You might be by yourself, so just pretend like there's a neighbor. Forgive and live. <laughs> uh, turn to your child and say, forgive and live, all right? So keep that those two phrases in your mind and your heart. Forgive and live. So when dealing with the leadership of the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, um, we, we, we have to deal with forgiveness because unforgiveness will hinder your your ability to receive from God, your ability to hear from God. Sometimes when we have unforgiveness, it blocks the flow of the Spirit of God in your life. So you have to guard against unforgiveness. All right, that said, let's go right into this, these scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through Ephesians chapter 5, verses, verse 2. I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. I want to switch some things up. You know, I go to ESV. ESV is my main Bible uh, translation. Then I, I go to the Christian Standard Bible. and then. <clears throat> but today I'm doing for NIV. Sometimes I go to the New American Standard Bible. I might even put out, pull out an Amplified. Um, King James every once in a while. But today I'm going to preach out of NIV. I think I, I need to mix it up a little bit sometimes. Sometimes y'all get too comfortable. That's ESV. No, today is NIV. So go to your little Bible app and get NIV together. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through, through chapter 5, verse 2. Now this, Paul is dealing with, he's giving instructions for Christian living. He just got finished from Ephesians chapter 1 all the way part of Ephesians chapter 4, revealing to us what God did in Christ for humanity. He, he's, he's letting us know how we should live in light of the redemptive work of Christ, what God did in Christ. He, he starts out with Ephesians talking about our position in Christ, how we've been blessed with every, every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, and talks about how God wrought this great work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion. And then he goes into Ephesians 2, how we were once dead in our trespasses and sins and how God has quickened us and made us alive in Christ. At one time we were dead, but now we are finally alive. And then he goes on to Ephesians 3, talks about 
the, the purposes of God and how in Ephesians 2 towards the end, he talks about the blood. We who are near, talking about the Jews, we who are far, talking about the Gentiles, we both are made close or near because of the blood of Jesus, that that blood broke the wall between God and us. And then in a, um, Ephesians 3, he, he goes and he talks about revealing the plan of God, how God is creating a new humanity in Christ. Do you know that God is creating a new humanity in Christ? He's gathering a people for himself in Christ. And, and Paul is revealing that through Ephesians. Then he ends that chapter with that wonderful prayer where he talks about, for this reason or this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named after. He begins to declare and talk about this prayer that you and I should pray. And then he ends that in, um, towards the end of uh, verse 21, and then he goes into Ephesians chapter 4, talks about keeping the, the unity of the faith, guarding against it, reminding us there is this one faith, one baptism, and one Lord. And he goes into the ministry gifts, the, what we call the fivefold ministry gift, the apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers, how they've been given to us by Christ to equip us for the work of the ministry, to, to help us come into the unity of the faith until we all become um, this one body flowing together. And then he gets to this part in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17, verses 17 through 5 and 2. He says this, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So that lets me know a couple of things. One, we live the way that we think. We live the way that we think. Go ahead and type that in on Facebook, on YouTube. We live the way that we think. This, it reminds me of Proverbs 23, I believe, in verse 7. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we live based on how we think. If you think a certain way, you're going to live a certain way. So it lets me know that there is power in the way that we think. Have you ever wondered that the fact that you may not be thinking properly, you may, be, you may not think, be thinking correctly? So we always have to check upon our thinking because the way that you think is, is based on what you believe. You believe a certain way, therefore it dictates to us or to you, how you should think. And the way that you think is the way that you live. So here Paul is saying, I insist in, on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And so we, sometimes when we see the word Gentiles in the New Testament, it means a person who does not have a covenant with God. Worldly people, heathens, Gentiles in the Bible often will refer to being a heathen or a person without God, a person without covenant with God. And so here Paul is telling this, the church at Ephesus, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. You must no longer live like a person that does not know God. How many Christians that you know are living like they don't know God? How many believers you know are living like they do not know God? Let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Paul detail, um, deals with the mindset of the believer. 
We need our minds renewed. You remember I told you at the beginning of the series, the greatest need of the church is the mind renewal. The second greatest need is learning how to be led by the Spirit. You will not fully follow the leadership of the Spirit with an unrenewed mind. You cannot do the will of God with an unrenewed mind. You have to get your mind right. If you go based on what your old mindset, you will not enjoy the fullness of the will of God. Your mind needs a recreation, a reconstruction. Your mind, uh, your mind receives this recre recreation when you take the time to read, study, to confess, and meditate the Word of God. Read, study, confess, and meditate the Word of God. When you go to the Word, allow the Spirit of God to make an impression on your heart and on your mind. With these words, these are words of life. The Word of God will form the mind of Christ inside of your mind. It isn't enough just to be born again. It isn't enough just to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. It isn't enough to just come to church and even pay your tithes. It isn't enough just to pray. You got to get your mind right. You got to get your mind renewed. Go ahead and type my renewal, my renewal. Go ahead, type my renewal. You got to get your thinking straight. Too many Christians are thinking like the world. They think like the world in everything they do. Even in marriage, they think like the world. I'm telling you, you got to get your mind renewed. Your mind is a powerful instrument. It could be for your life or for your destruction. So get your mind right. Come on, get your mind right. Um, your, your mind has been set up from what you've been taught as a kid, even as an adult, the things that you, you read and you expose your mind to. So you get your mind right. Come on, change the mindset of your, your mind. All right, and then, you, so you need a transformation of the mind, and how many know that takes time? The mind renewal is a lifelong process. That doesn't mean not to do nothing about it today, but you need to start. Start somewhere. It, it takes time to allow the Word of God to shape your thinking. You need the Holy Spirit to enforce the reality of, or the truths of the Word in your mind. The Spirit of God has been sent not to give you some, just some chills. Sometimes people, oh, the Spirit is here, and because they felt uh, uh, they had a chill. You know, they're, they're, all the hairs on their arm stood straight up. I'm telling you, we, we, we do not, let, let us not reduce the Holy Spirit to chills, to a dance, or even to speaking in tongues. We know that the Spirit of God has given us a language, which is tongues to, to, to pray out. He, there's, there's times that there is an excitement and a joy and people express that in praise and worship. But don't limit the Spirit of God to goosebumps because I can listen to Whitney Houston and get, and get goosebumps. You know, go, go on YouTube and listen to some of her old, well, she's not living um, like we're living, and look at a, a, a live, you know, when she did the national, um, the, the national anthem. I'm telling you, it when she sings, it just it, it touches your emotions in a way that cannot be explained. You're like, whoa, that that voice. <laughs> um, 
So you got to not reduce the Holy Spirit to emotions. But the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and he wants to transform your mind. As a pastor, I look for the mind to be changed, not just, oh, your attendance. You need to come to church when, when, we, we, when we meet. You need to be online. It's amazing that some people call me their pastor, but they're not online. <laughs> week after week after week after week, you're not online. Come on, what, what are you doing? But I'm not, I'm not fussing. I'm just disgusting. I'm telling you, you got to get your, you want to see the spirit of God really at work in a person's life? Then check on how they think. That's greater than a miracle because that is a miracle to get your mind transformed. Remember, we're talking about forgive and live, but this has to do with a mindset. You know, forgiveness is an act of your will. You just have to make a decision to forgive, to let go. All right, let's continue. He says, they are darkened in their understanding. So he tells them not to live like a person who doesn't know God in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So this is for the unbeliever. He says, don't think like the unbeliever because they're futile in their thinking. Their, their thinking is darkened. Their understanding is darkened. They're separated from the life of God. They have ignorance where they should have knowledge. And their hearts are hardened. So he's telling them this is the way that the world thinks. Their, their, their way of their thinking is produced as a result of their understanding being darkened, as a result of them not being connected to God or living the way that God lives. Their ignorance and the hardness of their hearts. And then he goes on, he says, Having lost all sensitivity, they give themselves over to sexual pleasures as to indulge in every kind of immorality or impurity, and they're full of greed. Let's, let's look at this. They, they lost their sensitivity. They're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we have to guard against as Christians is our sensitivity. We must guard against Guard, not against, but protect our sensitivity. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to the Word of God. We need to be sensitive to the life of God inside of us. Sens sensitive to our love walk, our love life. So these, these unbelievers are not sensitive. They lost their sensitivity. They're not aware of the presence of God. Instead, they're more aware of their sexual appetite, their pleasure, the, the, their, the enjoyment or the expression of the pursuit of physical pleasures, the condition of being pleased or fulfilling to their senses, their, their flesh rule and their flesh reign. Their flesh is reigning over their life. You and I are not called to allow our flesh to rule over us. Last night, I wanted some cookies really bad. I wanted cookies. I wanted some ice cream. Um, and this this might have helped because my wife bought some sugar-free ice cream, which I still don't understand. If you're going to eat ice cream, just eat it. <laughs> but that's just my philosophy. It's not the gospel. But I, I, I was thinking in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to get some ice cream. I'm going to get some cookies. I got some plant-based cookies. 
and I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to have cookies and cream. I'm thinking. And when she said, oh, it's sugar-free, um, that desire left me. <laughs> but also, sometimes I want to get some dessert. I want to have dessert. And there's nothing wrong with having dessert. But I'm telling you, challenge yourself to say, you know what? I think I'm going to pass. Practice. Little, practice, little things like that. Practice self-control. Practice the leadership of the Spirit. The Spirit of God will lead you. You know, of course, there's, there's freedom in what we eat. And so many, you know, we have choices. Sometimes the Spirit of God, when you go to buy something or go to eat something, the Spirit of God says, don't do that. Don't get it. He knows that if you do that, later on you're going to regret it. <laughs> you might spend some extra time in the bathroom or you may not feel as well because of what you ate. So the Spirit of God will even lead you when, you about to, when you're about to eat. What you're about to eat, he'll, he'll pull you away. So the loss of sensitivity, these people, they're full of greed. There's no discipline. There, there are no restraints. They, they, they are given over to their sinful nature. We're talking about forgive and live. We're talking about the leadership of the Spirit. You don't want to be given over to your desires. Thank God he doesn't give us everything that we desire or we think we desire. Well, I know the scripture in, in Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But listen, that desire is a God-given desire. But I'm talking about your fleshly desires. Thank God he doesn't give us everything that we want. He will give us some things that we want, but thank God he doesn't give us everything that we want. Come on, let's praise God for that. Lord, I thank you for not giving us everything that we want because everything that we want is not good for us. You know, some of y'all have children and you raise your, you're raising your children. You know that if you give them everything they want, they want to have cookies every night. They want to have, they want to watch television all the time. Don't give yourself over to everything you want. Learn to deny yourself. Stand in bed a little extra long, longer. You know, it's okay when you need it, but don't give yourself over to sleep. The Bible actually says if you love sleep, you'll be poor. So not, don't give yourself over to everything that you want. Learn how to be disciplined. To become a disciple of Christ means to be a disciplined one. This has everything to be this has everything to do with being led by the Spirit. Learning to follow the Spirit of God, even in discipline. Spirit of God is a disciplined spirit, and He'll lead you into disciplines. He doesn't want wild children where you just do whatever comes to your mind. You say whatever was on your mind. You, you know, that, that's a fleshly person. That's the way of the world. You know, even when it comes to the intimacy between, uh, uh, really it should be for a husband and wife, the world will tell you to do, do th those things when you feel like it, when you think it's right. The Bible tells you do it when it's in covenant with, between a husband and a wife. You see the difference? The world says do it when you feel like it, when you think you have met the right person. And the Bible says no, do it when you're in covenant, marriage covenant with, with uh, the opposite sex. That's what God says. So it's not based on your own desires. Lord, please protect us from our desires. Come on, pray that. Lord, please protect me from my desires. Lord, hide me from my pride and, and deliver me from my desires. Come on, pray that. I double-dog dare you to pray, Lord, deliver me from my desires. Those who want to be rich, the Bible gives us a warning. He says, do not desire to be rich. 
Yeah, that's what the you, that's what the Bible actually says in Timothy. You got to check your heart, because the love of money will is the root of all evil. So I just want to survive. I desire to be rich to be a blessing. Well, are you a blessing now? Because those habits that you have now will be carried on. Money will expose what's already on the inside of you. So if, you, if you're not a giver now, you're not going to be a giver when you get more money. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're not, I can tell you, I can't tell you how many people have told me, oh, when, when the Lord bless me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sow real big into your ministry. I'm going to tell you, that's a lie. Because if you're not giving now, you're not going to give later. If you can't tithe off of $5, you're definitely not going to tithe off of $50 million. <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to start with the little stuff. This is all part of leadership of the Spirit and forgiving and living. And I'm telling you, you got to learn how to follow the Spirit of God, even in the little stuff. Learning how to follow, being obedient in the small things. If you can't tell your wife or your, your husband that you love them or your children when you're mad, then, I mean, what, what's, your, what's your marriage all about? You know, it, it, people want to tell other people a piece of their mind. No, give them the piece of Christ's mind. Don't give them a piece of your mind. Give them a piece of Christ's mind. Will Christ, is, is Christ pleased with that action? how you treat your kids, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your employer, how you treat your employment, how you treat your employees. Is Christ pleased with that? How you treat your dog, how you treat your cat, your fish, your snake, whatever animals you may have. How do you treat them? How you treat your neighbor? How you treat your house? How you treat your yard? How you treat your car? Come on, I'm preaching to myself. Come on. I'm telling you, all those things are connected to the leadership of the Spirit. The Spirit of God will lead you in obedience. What seems to be small in our sight is big in His sight. You know, when I talk about, when, in the few, next week or the week after, I talk about the willing heart. God doesn't even receive an offering unless it's from a willing heart. That's deep. That's deep. You, oh, let me go. Let me pay this. Up. And it's like twisting your arm. Oh, come on, you got to pay it. No, 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 no. Either you want to do it or you don't. God wants you to want to. So, so if you're having problems today, you need to ask God to want to. You want to live. Oh, I, you know, I can't cuss because I'm a Christian. Well, you well, change your desires. Lord, give me a want to not to cuss, you know. Give me a desire not to want to do those things that are displeasing in your sight. That's how you know you're spiritual or not. You know, sometimes people want to just tell you everything they feel, say everything that comes to their mind, do whatever they want to do. That is not a, been a Christian. That has been self-rule, flesh rule, and really corrupt. All right, let's continue. Verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learn. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to, to your former way of life. Notice this, that Paul goes in, he talks about live the way you have learned. Put into practice your faith. Walk in the way that you have learned and were taught. And then he tells you how. He goes on, he says, and to put off, verse 22, to put off your old self, which has been corrupted 
by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, God and true, uh, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. Let's, let's take a look at this. Paul says, to put away your old self, put away your old nature, put away your old way of thinking, your old way of dealing with people, put that away. And then he turns around and he says, now put on a new mindset to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Growing up, they used to say, you got to crucify your flesh or crucify yourself. You need to die to self. That's what they used to say. Well, in one sense, that is true. You need to die to your old self, your old way of thinking, your old man, and you need to put on the new man who is Christ. You don't die to your new self. You live your new self. Walk in who you really are. You are a child of God. So start acting like a child of God. Stop following God as a child follows their parents. Follow after God. Run after him. Love on him. Pursue him. Learn his ways and put into practice his ways. That's what Paul is trying to convey to these people. He says, put away your old self, your old sinful nature, but sinful mindset, but instead receive the newness in the attitude of your mind, which speaks of Romans 6. A new way of living. Stop living like you used to and start living like a Christian. Start li living like a child of God. I'm telling you, if you'll make those adjustments, God will begin to, there, there'll be a new way of communication with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God will begin to show you a newness of life the way that you should live. And then he goes on, he says, put away, therefore each of you, must put off falsehood, falsehood. I'm, I'm thinking about falsehood, things that are false, things that are not real. Put away phoniness, put away lying, that which is not true. And then he goes on, he says, he says, put away falseness, falsehood, and speak truthful to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. He tells us to, to speak the truth. Truth may hurt, but it's worth it. Truth is not all, truth is really the only way of living. Truth, the reality of God, not your truth. Some people say, I live my truth. The devil is a liar, so are you. The Bible says, let every man be a, a liar and let God be true. When people say, well, oh, that tithing business doesn't work. You are a liar. <laughs> or a living for God doesn't work. Going to church and reading your Bible doesn't work. That's, you're a liar. The Bible says, let every man be a liar let God be true. So here he says, put away falseness, but speak the truth. Truth is not your perception, it's God's reality. Truth is God's reality. So let's, let's speak God's reality. Even if I disagree with you, if I'm speaking God's reality, you should receive it. If, if, I, if, I, if, if I disagree with you, you disagree with me, and one of us is speaking truth, we should receive it. Let's continue. This has everything to do with walking, with following the leadership of the Spirit, and we're going to get to forgiving and loving and living. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. If we just practice that, we'll save 50% of the divorces. <laughs> 
It says, do not, uh, in your anger, do not sin. So when you're angry, be careful. Don't allow, don't speak. The best thing you can do when you're angry is not to speak. Just walk away. They used to tell me that I, I used to have a real serious angry, anger problem growing up. I was never mad at God, but I was mad at death and mad at the, at the devil <laughs> and mad at people <clears throat> and mad at racism. And my grandmother and mother sat me down. I was going to junior high, and they said, when you get angry, walk away. Count to 10. And so I practiced that. I would walk. I felt my, felt, I was very emotional driven and anger used to be really, people y'all see the new PD, <laughs> but really the old PD was, oh, he was horrible. He needed to die. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I will walk, I would get angry. And I'm telling you, I would have the strength of 10 men and I could take on the whole world. At least I thought I could. And one time I almost killed a person. We won't talk about that. That's an old, old things passed away. Behold, all things are new. And so what I did is I felt the anger. I remember the words of my mom and my grandmother. I walked away and counted to 10. I was like, one, two, three, four, five. That may work sometimes. Sometimes it may make it worse. And you may get it more angry. But here the Bible says, it says, um, in your anger, do not sin. Anger is real, but don't sin in your anger. And it goes on. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, do not let that thing linger to the next morning. If you allow that thing to linger to the next morning, it's going to create something in you that's going to make you very displeasing to God. It's going to turn. That's what happens to angry people. They allow what was done to them, instead of dealing with it on that day, they let it carry over to the next day, to the next month, to the next year, to the next decade. Can you imagine taking stuff that happened to you in 20, well, was this, 20, 1996, stuff that happened to you in 1996, and you and it's 2020, and you're still dealing with what happened to you in 1996? Paul says, don't let that anger be carried over to the next day. Don't let, in other words, don't let it be in you more than 24 hours. Don't, don't let it, don't, don't let the sun go down. Actually, 12 hours, right? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because Paul knows that if you allow that, it's going to produce unforgiveness in you. It's going to produce some bitterness in you. It's going to, it's going to destroy your life, even as John Berea says, offense is a bait. It's the bait of Satan. And I'm telling you, that anger will, will, will destroy your life. I know racism is real, but don't, don't, let, don't get mad. Don't, don't still, I'm not, telling, I'm not telling you not to stand up for justice, but I'm saying if you allow that spirit of anger that some people have in marching and fighting against injustice to control your life, then you're going to be one bitter person and you're going to get mad at every white person. Oh, they did. You know, I mean, come on, get over it. All right. Well, we'll I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. 
Some of y'all need to let stuff go. Forget about it. You got molested. Forget about it. You, you, you know, your mama left you. Forget about it. Your daddy left you. Forget about it. You can't stay in that. You are a brand new creation. You, th this is a new day. Jesus came. He saved the day. He saved your life. So now live in the reality of who you are as a child of God. If everybody hates you, know that God, lo God loves you. And not only does he love you, but he likes you. Get over yourself. Get over your past. I know it's easier said than done. That's why we need counselors. That's why we need spiritual advisors to help you walk through th in this reality. But I'm saying you got to make a decision to forgive. Forget about it. I'm not saying that you got to trust everybody. If, somebody, if you know somebody stole something from you, you can forgive them, but doesn't mean that you're going to leave your wallet or your purse around them again. All right? You, you, you get what I'm saying. Don't be stupid. I forgive you and just let somebody walk all over you. No, you release them. Release them and use some common sense and say, no, this is temptation for you. So, no, nah, no. Nah. Oh, I'm not going to give you access to my life like I did before. You hurt me in a way that I do forgive you, but I don't trust you. You're not to be trusted. So, therefore, I don't trust you in this area. I can love you all the way to heaven. Doesn't mean that I have to trust you all the way to heaven. That'll preach. That, that, that's enough for you to turn off the computer and go ahead and cook and eat dinner. But I'm, don't do that. I'm, I'm still got something, got some more. Okay, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Let's go on. Verse, 20, verse 27. And do not give the devil's, do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, don't give the devil an inch. Don't let him in the house. If you let the devil in the house, he's going to be ruling that house. If you let the devil in your car, he's going to be driving it. Don't let the devil in your heart. He's going to be ruling over it. Do not give place to the devil. Do not give devil a space because your space, my space, will become his space. Do not give the devil a foothold. And then he goes on and says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So he goes from do not let the devil have space. Remember, the devil is looking for some space in your life. In other words, don't let the devil in. Then he goes on, he says, stop stealing. Instead, work to get what you want and be able to give to others. Stop stealing. Work for what you want. I'm telling you, you got to work for what you want. Oh, they don't, they didn't appreciate me. Oh, they don't appreciate me at my job. Well, work for it. Work at it. Work on yourself. Work on your job. Work on your skills. Work on your businesses. Work on your mind. Work on your attitude. Work on it. In other words, stop stealing. Stop being entitled for something that you, you don't deserve it. Right. You know, everybody wants a promotion, but no one wants to do the work. Not everybody wants to do the work to get the promotion. So do what it takes. Everybody wants that business bringing in over a million dollars a year, but no one wants to do the work to be become that disciplined individual who can obtain a million dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah. This is hitting home. So so don't allow the devil in. And one way we allow the devil in is the way we think. 
We allow the devil in by thinking like the world, through anger, through stealing, through entitlement. We, we feel that the world owes us. The world doesn't owe you anything. And you should own, owe anybody anything but to love them, according to Romans 13. Let's continue. It says, working with your own hands that you may have something to share with those in need. So you, don't, you shouldn't work for a living. You should give for a living. <laughs> I work to get seeds so I can sow it. <laughs> I work to not only meet my needs, but to meet somebody else's needs. That's how you got to look at your job. I'm giving away my book, some stuff from, from the book. Let's continue. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. <laughs> that, that, that right there is enough, right? In other words, watch your words. Don't allow profanity to come out. I'm telling you, I've heard so many cussing Christians. Stop cussing. Stop cussing. Stop using those words. Stop using those words. That's what the Bible says. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, make sure that you don't gossip, you don't cuss, you don't speak, speak ill towards somebody. And he goes on, check this out, verse 30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, you mean to tell me well, you and I can grieve the Holy Spirit? We can make him sad. We can make him mad. We can frustrate him. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? By being angry and sinning, by not telling the truth, by um, stealing, having a wrong attitude, living like the world. And then he goes in and gives you detail. With whom you were sealed from the day of redemption, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. So here, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by having bitterness. An angry person, person will, if they do not control that anger, have emotional intelligence, will turn out to become a bitter person. Bitterness is hurt, resentful because of one's bad experiences. So don't become bitter. Become better. Don't become bitter, but become better. Bitterness will destroy your life. If you allow, the Bible tells us and warns us in Hebrews about not allowing the root of bitterness to be in your life. Bitterness will destroy you. Bitterness will, will actually pull you away from the things of God. Rage, what's rage? Rage is uncontrollable anger, you know. Is, is, is having a fit. <laughs> you see kids, you know, I got a two-year-old going on three. Sometimes he try to have a fit. That's like, oh, we don't do that. Just because you cry and you, you, you pull your hair and, and you, you stump your feet. Listen, I will stump this belt <laughs> and you're behind. <laughs> I will, I'm not moved by your anger or your uncontrollable anger. That, listen, and, and when people do that, whether it's your boss, walk away. Oh, you're not going to treat me that way. You're not going to talk to me that way. You're dealing with the wrong person. I know who I am. I'm a child of God, and I'm not going to sit there. I, I'm not going to allow this because if, if, if I allow this to affect me, I'm going to get angry, and I'm going to end up sinning too. Uncontrollable anger. 
One of the best revenge you can take on a person that's acting ignorant and, and, and telling you off is be quiet and walk away. That will, that will hurt more than any words that you could ever say. That will put a blow to the devil's face, his eye. I'm telling you just, okay. <laughs> you don't say, oh, you're right. No, don't even, don't, don't even say that. Just, uh, just walk off. I'm telling you, it, it shuts the devil in their It just shut them up. The Bible says a soft word turns away wrath. So destroy that wrath by being quiet. Right. Mm -hmm. So can I speak? <laughs> All right. Anger, brawling, fights, right? Slander, the action of making a false claim to damage a person's reputation. Slander, there's Christians who are slandering people. Malice, be careful of slandering your boss. Malice is the intention of de or desire to do evil, ill will. This right here is describing unforgiveness. Not willing to forgive or excuse people's faults or wrongdoings. It says, get rid of all bitterness. That means you can't even keep a little bit of it. Rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Sometimes your heart or your your fleshly heart or your sinful nature will want a person something wrong, something bad to happen to them. You got to watch that because that because anger and bitterness and slander and rage, all of that will produce malice. Well, you're you're desiring ill will to a person. No, we should bless our enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use us. That's the posture of a Christian. He's be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly beloved children or loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant of offering and a sacrifice to God. Forgiveness. Forgive and live. Forgive and live. Unforgiveness will kill your walk with Christ. It will destroy you. It will turn your turn. It will turn into rage, anger, bitterness. You'll grieve the Holy Spirit in your life. Your life stops living when you begin, and you'll begin to die when you don't forgive. You actually stop living when you begin to walk in unforgiveness. What happens when you don't forgive? Your prayers are hindered. You're not forgiven. You can't live the life of God. You begin to go into darkness, and you will become bitter. Some of y'all need to go and apologize to your children, to your spouse, to your parents, to loved ones, to your boss, to your coworkers, to members of the church. You need to open your, I just ask God to forgive me. No, sometimes the Spirit of God will require you to go to the individual and to apologize. How bad do you want to live? Don't get so prideful. Don't, don't allow pride to kill you. The Bible says God resists the proud. So God is set up like an army set up against the individual when they're prideful. Humble yourself and go ask for forgiveness. Humble yourself and forgive. You don't want your prayers to be answered, right? I, I know I want every prayer to be answered. 
That's my desire is for my prayers to be answered. I'm going to tell you the other day what happened. I was on my way to work. Um, I was actually off, and, and they called me into work. Uh, so I, I took the opportunity to make some extra money. So when I went, um, they kind of set me up because <laughs> they knew they, that it was a dirty job to be done. I didn't know this. So I pray. I said, Lord, um, on my way to work, I said, Lord, just make it an easy night. God, I ask for an easy night. Father, let it be the, mo the, 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 most, like, the most easy it's ever been. God, let it, let it be an easy, smooth night. Do you know that when I got to work, they gave me a team to help me, and I was managing the team and directing, and that was an easy night. God answered that little, that what I consider a little prayer. He answered that prayer. I'm telling you, and then I, the next night I asked for God to, that I won't, won't get sleepy while working. And I, I didn't get sleepy. I got sleepy on the way home, <laughs> but I didn't get sleepy on, at work. It was amazing. And the time flew by really fast, and it was a smooth night. And I'm telling you that you want your prayers to be answered, and unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. So the question came up. My wife asked this question, and I told her I was going to use this. How to forgive? How do you forgive? You hear this message about forgiving and living. So how to forgive, especially when you've been done wrong, especially you've been hurt. One, you got to make a decision to forgive. So make a decision right now from this moment on to always forgive. Forgive everyone. No matter what happens, forgive. Be quick to forgive. If your prayers have not been answered and you've been using your faith on something and you're not getting results, the first place you should check upon is your forgiveness, your forgiveness, your love walk. Are you forgiving? Some of y'all need to apologize to your spouses. I don't know why I said that twice. I feel like there was some arguments, some words spoken, spoken to each other, and you need to forgive one another. I, there is somebody listening to me that has just spoken some words within the last 12 hours towards your spouse or your children or your parents or your employer or employees or coworkers or someone, your friend, and you need to go and ask for forgiveness. Yes, you're like, is, is he talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. You, you, you know who you are. You need to ask for forgiveness. So make a decision to forgive. One, make a decision to forgive. Say, I'm always going to forgive. That doesn't mean I'm going to always trust you. You might have stole something from me, but, but you, you won't sell something twice. You know, I learned from my mistake, right? Learn from your mistake. Yeah, I love you. But it doesn't mean you're going to be around my my inner circle anymore. You just, you breach something that some, something happened, right? You don't, if Judas stole from you, don't let Judas come back into the circle unless he has proven himself. All right, make a decision. Number two, refuse to remember their shortcoming. One, make a decision, refuse to remember their shortcoming. You know how you're in an argument and you always remember what the person did, but I thought you forgave them. If you truly forgave them, choose not to remember it. Choose not to bring it back up again. But you did this to me, and you did that to me. Well, I thought you forgave me. Still, you know, trust might, might need to be worked out. But forgive them and forget about it. Number three, pray for them. Pray. Don't pray to God to get them. Get them. 
Pray that God will bless them. Pray down God's blessings upon them. One, make a decision to forgive. Two, refuse to remember their shortcoming. Three, pray for them. Four, sow into them. So somebody do you wrong, do something good for them. And try to do it in a way that you don't, they don't even know it came from you. Do it, give to them in a way that it's, it surprised them. They don't even know it came from you. And they'll do you more, they'll do you better than it will, it will them. Number five, speak well of them. Speak well of them. In the presence of others, love covers a multitude of sins. So don't go and, and gossip about them. It could be a boss. Don't gossip about them. Uh, a coworker. I'm telling you, somebody did me wrong, dirty just this past week um, at work. I mean, really, really. I mean, it, uh, I don't really say it was bad, bad, but it was it was enough to kind of like, hmm. I forgive you, but I don't trust you. I will never tell you what's going on in my life again. I made a decision. I forgive them, but I know that that person is is not to be trusted. And so you got to know the difference. That just because they're not trustworthy doesn't mean that you don't forgive them. You forgive them and you treat them right. You pray for them and you love on them, but you don't have to trust them. I love my kids, but I don't trust them with a car yet. Come on. I love my kids, but I don't trust them with all my money. <laughs> right? You can love your kids and not trust them. Or your dog. I love my dog, but I don't trust her by herself out while we sleep because she's going to do everything. She's going to rip that house. I'm telling you, that's the way you got to be. Sow into them, speak well of them, and last, choose to see them the way God sees them. Choose to, choose to see them through the blood of Jesus. So what happens, um, forgiveness isn't the same as trusting a person. You can forgive them, but don't have to trust them. So if your spouse cheat, cheated on you, that doesn't necessarily mean that you I mean, I'm not telling you get a divorce tomorrow, but you do have grounds, according to the scriptures, to not stay with them, especially if it's a repeated matter, right? Hey, I trust you, but we're not, we're, not, we, we're, we're heading towards divorce. I'm not, I'm not for divorce, by the way, but Jesus said that if a person breaks that covenant, it gives them grounds to divorce that person. Um, someone who stole from you, cheated on you, lying on you, mistreated. And my last thing I want to say is stay in the spirit of love. Stay in the spirit of Christianity. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to let go. Be quick to get over it. Get strong and live. Forgive and live. Make a decision that you're going to forgive. This has everything to do with the spirit of, of the Lord leading you. You will hinder the flow of revelation for the will of God for your life if you stay in unforgiveness. Be quick to forgive. Forgive and live. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. I pray for the spirit of forgiveness upon every person, the spirit of love, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Christianity. The Christianity is all about forgiveness. May we forgive and live in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or 
visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.